Welcome to season four of Exploring the Prophetic. We are on a journey of spiritual curiosity to see how God's voice can impact us and the world around us. I interview guests from every walk of life and background about how their relationship with God and hearing His voice has given them different opportunities and breakthrough experiences. This season, I'm also asking every guest how they got through a time when they thought they had heard from God or they received a prophetic word from someone else that didn't happen and how God helped them to resolve that. Come join our conversation on Exploring the Prophetic, starting now. I'm so glad you're here in the conversation of Exploring the Prophetic, where we have conversations about hearing God's voice and how it changes people's lives and the world around them. And I just think it's so profound when you hear that God is speaking, but most of us disassociate or disconnect and say, well, he's speaking to them and they're profound or they have this special calling or whatever. And one of the things I love about the show, if you keep listening to our podcast or if you've been an avid listener, is that we're hearing people who are, you know, moms and people who are artists, people who are farmers, people who are, you know, venture capitalists, whatever. It doesn't matter what walk of life they're in, but we're hearing how God can impact every kind of life there is out there. Every gender, every race, every, every person that we're seeing both male and female and every type of person. That's, that's exciting to me because one of the passions that I've had is to see the body of Christ activated, that we're justified by hearing God for ourselves, not just praying for ourselves. Like Martin Luther said at the Wittenberg door, the founder of Protestantism, where we're supposed to pray for ourselves and read the Bible for ourselves and help make that happen. But we also are justified in hearing God for ourselves as well. We are our own priesthood. And so I think it's so profound when we have these shows that display what it looks like to hear God in different circumstances. And a lot of the people you're hearing that before you saw how awesome they were, if there's someone who's well-known and if they're not someone who's well-known, it's so exciting to hear from people who the world would never hear the testimony as far as, you know, through this kind of audience, except for that we're focused on the subject. That's such a profound subject that the intimacy with God changes our reality. He gives us options we would have never had based on our socioeconomic status based on our talents, our skills, our abilities, and that's who our God is. So we need to hear from God. And I love today's guest, Michael Miller. Many of you have heard of the Upper Room in Dallas, Texas. Michael and Larissa founded this and all the Upper Room communities around the world. And this is an incredible ministry that it focuses on being a local church, but also worship and prayer, but is not your traditional prayer ministry. They have a lot of hours online. You can watch their streaming prayer room and worship room, but they also have just a prolific impact on their community. And they do a lot of different types of community outreach. And they've been a presence in Dallas. That's just a before and after moment for Dallas. They're very unique. And they have people of all walks of life who attend the church and call it home, as well as they have the community has really reached out to them. And, and they've, they've just had a kind of a fathering, mothering presence in the city, along with so many great churches there in Dallas. I think you're going to really enjoy Michael's story how he's become presence-driven, how God spoke to him. He comes from a very conservative background, very conservative background, and yet he met the Holy Spirit, and God took him on a journey through the prophetic where he went through healing, uh, started a movement, and what better thing than walking with the Holy Spirit and hearing God this way? So come enjoy Michael Miller. Hey, my fellow explorers. We have a brand new book out, and if you've ever been given a word that you're a Joseph, an Esther, a Solomon, or a Daniel, you need to learn how to hear God the way that they did. You need to have that place inside of you that connects to God, that can believe for his solutions on the world today and for his problem-solving ability, his wisdom, his strategy. And so we've written this book called Wired to Hear, and it's connecting God's voice to your career and place of influence. 
You are gonna love this book. I wanna encourage you to get it today. My friend Bob Hassan, who does Exploring the Marketplace with me and myself, wrote this to take you on a journey of how to succeed in your place of career with God's voice and with connection to Him. Visit Bowles Ministries today and look up Wired to Hear or go to any bookstore you know and you should be able to find Wired to Hear. But get it, review it, and share it with someone else. Welcome to Exploring the Prophetic. I'm here with my friend Michael Miller. Michael, how are you doing? Good. What's up? How are you? <laughs> I'm good. The last time we were face-to-face, we were in Israel together. We were so in Israel. So much fun. Like we went with a bunch of other kind of Christian leaders who were in our age range and just kind of, and not a bunch, just like eight other couples, I think. Yeah. Other couples. Uh, yeah. If that. It was kind of like church camp. And when you're like 16 and you just become besties with people on a trip, you're like, we had that experience together. It, like something happened in Israel. <laughs> it totally was. It was one of those once of a lifetime trips with those people at that yeah. time. Um, deeply connected. It was awesome. Do you remember the word you gave me on uh, the Mount of Olives? We were sitting on the Mount of Olives and I wrote, I wrote in my journal, I said, there is a place for you here, Michael. I, I felt like the Lord said, there's a place for you here. First time on the Mount of Olives. And you leaned over and said the same thing to me. I feel like I was reading in your journal. Oh, I'm just kidding. I, no, I asked you that. I asked you, I said, bro, did you read that? We, we are putting uh, me along with two other guys. It's a long story, but we're, we're purchasing land just outside of uh, the old city. No, I told you there's going to be resources and there's going to be a place for you. And you guys are going to have an expression, especially of the worship side of your ministry and prayer side of your ministry that is going to be essential for your future, that God's giving you real estate in Israel. And I, when you told me you were doing it, I was, I was, you know, this, cause I was just at the beginning of COVID. That was like right before COVID broke out. And you even went back right after that, right during the outbreak, you went back to Israel. And so, yeah, I think for people um, who know you, which I think a lot of our listeners would know upper room ministries and some of the, especially because of the worship and the prayer expression, you guys are a local church. You have several locations, but you guys focus on developing that place of real intimacy with God. And you really appeal to, a lot of people who don't normally come into maybe the charismatic Pentecostal swirl, people who don't normally come into really give that much time to church. Maybe they want to go to church, but they don't want to be like all in because they're, they have big careers, big lives. Right. I've met a lot of big business people through you guys who found that they needed you. They needed this church expression and they probably wouldn't be a part of any other church on this level, but there's something really special in what you guys are building. And so with the upper room, especially some of the, you know, like one of my favorite songs, which is the song I think you're probably most most known for, but we it still comes up in our household. Like, you know, it may look like I'm surrounded, but I'm surrounded by you. Like we, there's one of the prophetic songs that came out about like just, you know, it's kind of the theme of you guys help give people language. And for me, I, I was watching the um, live stream the other day and there was a girl I'd never seen on there. She's probably on there all the time. She's blonde and she was singing and she was taking us in. And I literally was doing dishes. My girls are in front of me and I had to turn off the water and just, I don't think it's ever happened to me on a live stream or I had a turn up where, where I wasn't really listening, but I had it in the background and I had to stop and just go there. And I was like, where am I right now? Like, this is so profound. And I know other friends, we've talked about it. Like there's something about people are needing the raw being a part of experience. And because of COVID, we're all more real, like really connected through the internet. So it's, it's not like, Oh, you're there. You have to go to a service. You feel like you're part of it. So Take me on the journey of where this all started for you. Maybe not upper room, but just your journey with God of like how you got this place and went after intimacy with God. Yeah, I, I, uh, 
That's so that's so cool that 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 really blesses me that you were listening to a moment in the kitchen and it hit you. That's 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 so so cool. I I we started the upper room in 2010 and um I had been a pastor for about 12 years. Uh was in a season of transition and I had an invitation from a business leader uh in downtown Dallas in the homosexual district Oaklawn uh to start a prayer meeting and uh oh, wow. and I, that I knew that I knew I was supposed to go down there and host a prayer meeting for a few weeks. Um, I felt like it was an assignment from the Lord. And uh, from that, this beautiful expression of worship and prayer has emerged um, with just a small few that's now impacting so many people. So, uh, you know, Bob Hazlett gave us a word in the early, early days. He said, you're going to make church not a dirty word anymore. And Ooh, that's so cool. It was a really cool word. And at the time, you know, I'm looking at this little bitty prayer meeting. You know, we may have had two or three prayer meetings, but I'm like wondering, is this even a church? Is this gonna set? Is is I thought it, I didn't know if it would make it. And uh, and sure enough, though, we've seen so many people renew their minds around this word church. Um, mm. They've been hurt over the church, over the conversation, but they've just re-engaged. Um, and I really think it's the presence of the Lord. Um, I think I think people were made for that. And this has just been an environment that's been marked uh, by the presence of Jesus. So, yeah, and I think of Dallas being the Bible Belt now. It used to be like more like Oklahoma or something. But I mean, Dallas is the Mecca for ministries and churches. And it's probably a, a place that's pretty hard to start something if it's not really God initiated because there's so much oversaturation. I, someone had told me that there's something like 6,000 churches in Dallas or something, or, or, or 7,500, and there's only 4,000 churches in LA. And if you consider the population difference, wow. and that's before COVID, so we don't know after COVID how many of those lasted. So it shows you how oversaturated, and there's a lot of megachurches. We don't have a lot of megachurches. There's a lot of megachurches, but I would consider it, it's probably pretty hard to plant something unless you're just walking with God because of the, the ebbs and the flows, people have so many options. They have so many options right. for events, conferences, schools, schools for their kids to go to that are involved with churches, like those kinds of things. And yet you guys started something. And I, I just highlight that because so many people who are involved are, would have had lots of other options, but they felt a calling together right. in community, but also for the sake of the purpose of the vision that you've laid out. And again, I just reiterate, it's really unique. It's really special. Right. I would describe the Oakland area in Dallas. It it was a real appealing um, kind of sexy place to plant a church just because it's one of the darkest areas. Yet it was a church planting graveyard. I saw so many mm. guys, vision, resources, giftings, even teams and strategies to really plant something. But that culture would just chew them, chew them up and spit them out. And they they did some awesome work in other areas of the city, but man, Oakland just didn't want a church. And I was wrestling because I knew I had this assignment to start this prayer room that then became became a church and a community. Uh, and and the Lord said something to me, Sean, that really reframed my uh, perspective of church and the church gathering. Um, he said, because I was being hit on a lot, you know, downtown and I, I like you handsome pastor, you I thank you. I, I mean, I, I was yes, it was just at the coffee shop. We lived down there, walked the neighborhood quite a bit. And it was just in your face all the time. And uh, I was telling the Lord, you got the wrong guy. Like, I, I didn't have a heart for that community. I mean, I love those people, but I just I'm like, Lord, here I am. Send me there. Uh, but one day he said this phrase to me, Sean, he said, 
Michael, what if I didn't call you down here to minister to them? What if I first called you down here to minister to me, to, to, to love wow. you and to wow. build a community that that's first ministry and first love is creating a place where I rest and I dwell. And it, it, it really reframed what we were doing. Wow. And, uh, and what a win was, you know, the win was, did God come? And when he came, did he stay? And how, how, why did he come? What, what, what did we do that, that moved him? And we just kind of became students of his presence and how to host God, like Psalms 132, a resting place for you, Lord. And, uh, and I think that's a lot of the expression people see was, was just those, those years of hiddenness where we're, in this dark area in our city and learning how to create a resting place for the Lord, which ultimately, like we saw a ton of people come to know Jesus through that mission and mandate, but it was just totally different than we thought yeah. it would play out. That's so cool. It was really well, cool. Let's go further back and talk about you and Larissa, your wife and your, your family. And how did this start for you? Because you didn't, you, you know, 25 years ago, you weren't thinking, I'm going to be a pastor of a church that focuses on prayer and worship and intimacy. Right. Like, talk about kind of your background, because I like your background story. You, I got to hear it some in Israel. Oh, my background story, yes. I can I can tell you some of the old youth group songs we used to sing. I grew up. <laughs> so awesome. yeah. Can you tell one youth group song you used to sing? Just one. We used to... <laughs> so some of the Israel stories we were just telling, uh, you know, church, church, funny things that have happened to us. And we used to sing a song called, Can He Still Feel the Nails? And it, it was, can he still feel the nails every time I fail? Can he hear the crowds cry crucify again, again? Oh. Am I causing it? It's so sadistic. It's like so shame-based. Like, so that's it came out of like a total religion. Yeah, I, mean, I love did. Jesus, but total religion. I did. I, I came out of a very conservative tradition. Love the word. Um, did not have a grid for the Holy Spirit relationship with the Holy Spirit. Um, and just out of sheer desperation as a pastor, I, I had a lot of sexual brokenness um, prior to knowing the Lord. And so when I met him, he immediately started to restore that area in my life. But, wow. but, but the shame from some of those things really led me to some depression. And, uh, and in my pursuit of getting healing and wholeness from that shame, um, I met the Holy Spirit and, and my faith, it was like black and white to live in color, uh, a relationship with the Holy Spirit, knowing his voice, hearing his voice. I remember one of the first prophetic words I ever received was from um, a guy in a, in a, it was actually in a, the tradition that I, I was in. It was in that tradition, but it was kind of like a speakeasy meeting. Like you really had to be desperate to go to this because they were the the more charismatic, expressive ones, but a guy prophesied, he, he looked at me and he said, Michael, God saw what happened to you when you were 13. He's going to restore all of that. He's not ashamed of you. He's not mad at you. And man, I just started bawling. And all I could say is God's really among you. God's really here. God's wow. And sure enough, I opened up first Corinthians 14 and it says, when, when, when prophecies exercise, the ungifted or unbelieving will exclaim God's really among you. And I was like, that happened in my life tonight. And, uh, and that just kind of put me on a trajectory to, to, to explore the things of the spirit and guys like you have had a massive impact upon me and the communities that I lead to give us freedom to really go for it and take chances. And so, um, that started probably 2004 or five. 
Um, met my wife shortly thereafter. Uh, we got into the prayer movement through our mutual friend, Sean Foyt. He was planting the burns. And when I learned about the burns and the presence of Jesus, I thought, man, I can really, really give myself to this. I felt yeah. such a mandate from the Lord to, to go after that. And so we just started building communities around prayer, but, but really it was hosting the presence of the Lord. That, that, that's, that was the aim. Wow. That's so cool. So can yeah. you give me, because I know a lot of the decisions you've made together, you know, Larissa, and even things like where you're going to plant the next area of the city or whatever. So like even recently with some of the building stuff that's happened and give me some of the, some of the, the fun moments, the bullet point moments of where God showed up and you heard his voice or he led you out of his heart into something uh, as a movement or even as a family. Yeah, I could look back and I can, I can, I can see how he was setting things up, um, how he was really, really uh, showing us that this was his deal. Like he didn't need our help. Um, he, he, he was really jealous for the journey. Um, not necessarily the destination. He is yeah. so jealous for the 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 day in and day out decisions. And so I think we learned in the early days, uh, you know, our no was really important. What we said no to, mm. other words said, um, what what whatever you birth in the flesh, you you raise and sustain. But whatever I birth, I'll raise and sustain. And so we just learned to allow him to birth things. Uh, I think, you know, we're really right now, we're, we're in the process of acquiring a new building. And man, we have just seen God's fingerprints uh, all over this process. Um, we, uh, we, he's put together just this dynamic team of designers and architects that wow. have no business or reason being a part of uh, the Upper Room new building campaign. But one of them is one of the lead architects uh, in our city. He's designed... Um, all the major arenas in Dallas. He, he designed the Ram Stadium, the SoFi Stadium there. He was the lead architect for that. It was based out of a Dallas firm here. But he heard the story of, um, of the Upper Room, what we're doing, and, and our heart for our city. And then the Holy Spirit just spoke to him and said, I, I, I'm supposed to help you. And, uh, and so we've just seen the Lord prove to us over and over that He's building this. And unless he builds it, we labor in vain. And so there's just such an ease in knowing, wow, this was his idea. Um, and yeah. I keep trying to throw as much as I can back to him uh, so that this keeps his fingerprints on it and doesn't have ours. Uh, just commentary on that. It's interesting watching, you know, I have a lot of friends as you do who are pastors and leaders. And it's interesting that tension of staying hungry and really open and dependent on the Holy Spirit versus just getting the strategy from God and then running with it then going back to God, getting more strategy or whatever, running with it. it. There's, I've watched some people run past their grace or run past or build something. Don't realize that they need God halfway through or all the way at the end before they do the next thing. And it feels like the divine tension you guys hold really well, which takes focus and takes, I think the prayer room helps, you know, just to be able to focus on, on the Holy spirit. Cause you guys are big, a lot of little churches can do that. But once you start to get bigger and bigger, usually your leadership team kind of checks out of being Holy Spirit or presence driven, so to speak, like you said earlier. And how do you guys hold that tension? Because you're holding it really well. Wow. That's, that's encouraging to hear. Cause I, I, I think it is a tension. I think it's one that we live in. Um, I, I, uh, 
you know, I, I look for, uh, I look for leaders that are, have really been marked with this singular pursuit. Um, I, I, the upper room, our culture is, is a burial ground, um, to get involved in the upper room that there's, there's a process of really dying in that prayer room, like really giving your heart fully over to that place of learning to minister to him, learning to, 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 to get that, like not, not a lot of people get it initially, but over time it really seeps into your heart. And, uh, and so I think a lot of the leaders that are in the place of, of leading and orchestrating and strategizing have all seen uh, the Lord resurrect dreams and gifts on the other side of this burial wow. process. And I think sometimes we, we can circumvent or, or, overshoot that process of of the lord really um burying our gifts burying us in the place of obscurity um i think of joel fig joel figaro is a great example um he's a worship leader that a lot of people would know he's written a ton of our songs but the first time i met him he was a 23 year old um who was just hungry for the presence of the lord um he was cleaning the restrooms i went we had changed custodians or whatever and he showed up and he said how can i help how can i serve I met Joel. We developed a friendship. I had no idea he was a worship leader at CFNI, which is a university near us. He was a worship leader there, but he wasn't coming to lead. He was coming because he found God in that place. Mm -hmm. And and I've just seen uh, to the degree that you've been transformed by our culture is to the degree that you can actually transform it or lead it. And so you kind of you see that process happen in people. And so I'm, we're not quick to lay hands. We're, we're, we're real slow in, in empowering people into the vision, but the vision is pretty simple. It, it can get complex, I think, as you grow. And I think the, the, the main thing for me is keeping things simple and just not getting complicated. Uh, so us knowing who we are, hey, we're actually not that. We, there's churches that do that really well in our city. We're just not one of them. We, we do a few things really well. And if you're about those things, you're going to flourish here. But this may not be for you. And so we've kind of had some concessions like that, that have been a little, a little for some, they're like, well, you don't want me to come to your church. Like, no, you can totally <laughs> come, you can totally yeah. come, but you're rejecting me. <laughs> yeah. I just think we, we, we've really, we've really had a, a few yeses from the Lord and, and we built structure that protects that. Yes. It's not going to water it yeah. down. Um, I think it's so healthy. I think if churches could do some DTRs with people who are already Christians, not the people who get saved in the church, but the people who are already Christians who are transferring. Like in a city like yours, I said it earlier, people have so many options. Right. And if you have in your culture, this is who we are. We know our identity. We know who we're not too. So let's have a DTR once you're far enough in. That's so healthy. It's so, right. to me, that really does protect that place of the commitment you have to the Holy Spirit and what you're following. That maybe a lot of people who are listening might need that. They might They might be looking at their church and trying to change it. I know one of one of my close friends, he he talked about he was a pastor in a movement that's uh, a really well known movement, and he thought his job was to bring in kind of Bethley type stuff into his movement because he was so impacted by Bethel and Reading Church with right. Pastor Bill Johnson, who's one of my favorite sure. people in the world. He was so impacted by it, and so so after three or four years of of trying to lead this whole movement into Bethel culture, God spoke to him and said, "You have a spirit of arrogance and pride. I didn't ask you to recreate their culture," mm. and he's like. Oh my gosh. And they were trying to have a DTR with him, but he couldn't do it because he thought he was the man on the mission to change it all. 
And it was wow. really a profound moment because I feel like there's people all around who try and participate with something and they haven't really identified or looked for what it was. And some people aren't good as ministries at defining who they are as well. So they're trying to be all things to all men. So I love the fact that you're, you're, you're starting to understand your lanes and that you guys are really building intentionally. Because to me, that gives me as a mature believer more courage to be involved with something like that and more excitement and more faith because I know what I'm building with or working with versus people who are like, well, we'll do that too. And we'll do that too. And we'll raise that up too. And it, that scares me. Like when someone will right. do everything that scares right. me. And, and you guys, again, like I think, um, you know, there's, there's something of a, a the presence of God uh, uh, to be a prayer movement, not just a local organization. And, and I know that'll be more defined as time goes. And there's already components of that, but you know, Michael at home with Larissa and the kids and cause you're such a normal, vulnerable human being. Um, how do you feel like you carry the attention of all these people and all these types of, you guys have so many swirling ministries around you. How do you carry the attention between your building with the Holy Spirit and building the thing, but then you're also Michael, the the really good friend of people and the husband and the dad, like talk about that. Kind of, I never asked that question to people, but I just felt to ask that. Right. I, I, I think you're asking it because I think it's something that the Lord's continually asking me um, just, uh, you know, what matters, what, what really matters uh, in the long run. And, and I think my marriage, my kids, uh, my close friends, um, really, really protecting those. Um, I, I, I've fought for that. And I think every season you got to kind of re ante to fight for it once again, which you know, this so well, mm -hmm. uh, we get one shot to be good dads. Um, and our kids are young. And so, um, it means I'm not in a lot of meetings. I'm not, I'm not, I, I, I relate to a few people in my world and the key again is just keeping it simple, simple, simple. I think sometimes we hear the word uh, easy, but simple is actually <laughs> extremely challenging. Yeah. It's not like, Oh, that was easy. That was easy. No, to, to keep simplicity. I think it takes a lot of order and structure and discipline. And so I've tried to maintain a level of simplicity in my approach to my weeks with my, my wife, with my kids and with about three core core members on my team. That's how I relate to most of my system. Wow. I have some big staff meetings and those types of things. But, um, and I, I just, I also look back at the history that I have with the Lord and what he's built that I know that my giftings didn't birth this, my strategy didn't birth this, but this wasn't my idea. And so I, I honestly mean that, like I could not have created the momentum and the swirl that's here and that that brings me a lot of peace. That brings me a lot of like, oh, this is really on you. This is on your shoulders. Um, you you're the one building this, and 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 I know how to I know how to follow you on a daily basis. Um, I, I don't have like a big five year plan. I, I I I just don't operate that way. I don't operate with monthly goals and quarterly goals. Not that there's anything wrong with that. I'm just not designed that way. Um, I, I am very much like daily bread, <laughs> like, like seasonal revelation to build for the next season. And, and that, that to me is simple. That to me keeps things really pure. Yeah. Um, cause I just don't want to become something. I know that we've become something, but my goal is never to become something. Uh, my goal is just to have been faithful to follow him who got me to this place. One as a son, then as a husband, as a father, and then as a pastor. And so you know, the, the wind and the swirl that's on upper room, it, 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 
I don't think it's a fad. I don't think it's a season. I think God's really like birthed something here that that's that's unique and 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 I think there's a lot of young leaders that are going to glean from communities like this. But but man, come what may, I just want to at the end of the day lay my head on a pillow and go, man, I was faithful, Jesus today. I was faithful mm -hmm. to you. I was faithful in my relationships. I was faithful with what you did today. And, and that to me has just brought a lot of oh, peace. <laughs> no, it's, it's a secret sauce. I love it, man. Thanks so much for sharing all of this. I think it's just, uh, it's refreshing to a lot of people to hear, you know, there's, I liked, I think a lot of people, even in one of the takeaways, as far as God rebranding, what church means, you know, and what Christianity means, period. I think God wants to reface Christianity in our generation. And it doesn't mean the theology but it means the practice and, you know, Jesus right. is center of what you guys are doing. It's real obvious. I encourage people who are listening to get on the live stream of upper room. And I do it all the time. Get, you know, visit if you're in Dallas, it's a worthy place to visit and connect to um, Michael's sermons as well. Not just the live stream, but also the sermons. I mean, Michael, you're a, a brilliant speaker. I love how you're not theatrical, but you're dramatic. And I love that. I love how dramatic you are. It's so awesome. Like you'll do things like even just, physicality it's fun to watch you you know so i'd encourage you to watch and listen to uh, the sermons there from michael and his team but thanks so much for being a part today are you are you calling me dramatic bro are you saying <laughs> yes i am you are you're dramatic when you speak like the first time i ever heard you speak i was like wait what because i mean i thought you'd be it's not that you're mellow at all but i mean you're just you're a relaxed person but yeah. something happens when you take the platform where there's like the way you illustrate points and stuff you're just there's a physicality and a dr drama in it that I like. yeah I'm, I'm a lot of heart, that's for sure. So yeah. you get that, but um, that's encouraging. Thanks, man. Do you want to be mentored in hearing God's voice? It's not hard, but it takes time, examples, practice, and conversations to really get in the place of being able to get revelation and also to know how to interpret and reply what God's showing you. I have started an online community through our platform, Translating God Mentoring, where you receive weekly videos, weekly live group mentoring, monthly special events, and all of our past e-courses on the gifts, marriage, and relevant topics to your spiritual journey. Come join me and all my platform contributors to learn how to walk out a thriving journey of hearing God. Thanks for listening to Exploring the Prophetic, part of the Exploring Series podcast. These podcasts are made possible by generous donations of listeners just like you. Become a partner or visit us at bullsministries.com with your one-time donation today. Also, if you are enjoying the podcast, please become a part of our family by subscribing. Connect to us at www.bullsministries.com where we want to resource you with our articles, books, weekly mentoring, e-courses, and more or download our Bulls app free at our web store. We love to hear your feedback. Drop us a line and also your rating, reviewing and sharing makes such a difference in the world for people learning about us. Thanks for listening.